Awesome. Welcome to another episode of Affiliated here at ClickBank with myself, Thomas McMahon, and our co-host. Oh, you want me to say my name? Yeah, say your name. What is my name? What Ky- is your name? Kyle uh, Kostecka. That's that guy. I almost said Stevens. <laughs> Today we're covering... The most common pain points people are experiencing when scaling an affiliate program here. Yes. Which, there's a lot of them. We'll condense them down to a refreshing. Yeah, let's pop to pain. Ah! <laughs> thanks for thanks for appeasing me on something I just thought was a great AMS, a, ASMR experience. Oh, I cannot talk today. We're losing listeners so fast yeah. right now. Okay. <laughs> These are just La Cru, by the way. It's not an adult beverage. Although my speech pattern might suggest that it is. I was, I was thirsty, though. But... Um, but no, right, we deal with a lot of people working with either a scaled business they've had, they want to come into affiliates, or they're building a new business or new offer, and they want to scale it to start with affiliates, right? And they run into a lot of pain points along the way, and kind of how to overcome them, we help navigate them through quite a bit. So I, this might be yeah. a good way to kind of lay that out there in a condensed format. We won't go too deep to any specific one, but just some you know best practices on how to navigate the most common ones. So. If we want to start, I think a lot of the common things are like, hey, I've got an offer. How do I even go find affiliates? But before that, what I think both of us probably do is ask some questions around data. Yes. Yeah. Because where affiliate programs could have 99 problems, a converting offer should not be one of them. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and <laughs> sorry, the halftime show mm-hmm. obviously had me thinking about. 90s hip hop. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but the the idea and concept there, and what we're going to do is assumptively, you're, if your offer hasn't been tested, you don't know if people even want it yet. And you're like, hey, let's start promoting this out to affiliates. Or sometimes that's all that you can do. Temper your expectations. And your first problem is right there. You need to test and know how this is going to work. Going to affiliates when you're unknown or just in general say, hey, you want to try this thing that no one's tried. Isn't that appealing of a proposition mm-hmm. where sometimes that could be if it was like a fashion item or a video game? Not so much if it's an offer that people need to buy. So um, well, I think well, just Cal, well, I've got this great shirt company <laughs> and I've sold eight figures of shirts to my target audience over here. Am I ready? Yeah, no, right? <laughs> um, people, for, for lots of reasons, where right. first you're selling shirts. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but yeah, it's if it's just in-house traffic, you need to be testing to cold traffic, maybe a paid email list. Um, it's going to be very, very similar to affiliate traffic. Some cold traffic sources to get some numbers so you could share those to affiliates. If you're not at a point that you could share hard numbers on your funnel in your offer, um, pause this recording, go back to episodes where you go in depth with that. And that's where you need to start because you're going to have a lot of problems um, potentially just in that phase. And you you really need to set, start in this testing phase or listen to Amber Spears um, podcast that you did with her. Yeah. You, know, you did with her. It's really going to give you a lot of tidbits on that. But we're going to assume to this point, you've probably tested your offer enough to have numbers to share an affiliate. Right. Yeah. I think you're speaking to a pain point there too, where Hey, I've got an offer. It's tested. It's ready to go. How do you prove that it's tested? How do you prove that it's tested? Well, I I think a a big thing is that you could share real numbers from it. So EPC, PPM, um, AOV, which if you don't know what those acronyms mean, (laughs) sorry, no, just kidding. Uh, So earnings per click, like how much is getting every single time somebody clicks. Uh, PPM is profit per million, um, which is basically. But every time people use PPM or CPM, it's always down to the thousand, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know why someone did that. So uh, (laughs) super confusing. Um, and then the math is all weird on it. Anyway, I won't get into it. Yeah. But um, basically, that's just these are just 
different measures to say than offers successful. And the other key component to it is that you're testing to demographic specific things. So one thing that's really important to see a lot of people make a mistake is they say, oh, I tested that to a drop list and it converted this. How cold was that list? Mm -hmm. uh, what were the demographics to it? How did that, where did that list come from, right? Yeah. So in my opinion, demographics are one of the most important pieces, mm -hmm. right? Because that could, if you're telling me like, oh, I have this type of list, oh, it won't convert very well. But oh, actually those demographics are super overlapping, mm -hmm. right? And even though it might look very different just on a niche level, the demographics are actually very relatable. And it's just how you're going to message to that niche might be a little different. Yeah. yeah. Well, I also think it's a really big uh, key driver. And if something, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, mm -hmm. if an offer doesn't go well with an affiliate. So, well, maybe it's because you tested to a weight loss list that was 80% uh, or 90% female. And they happen to have a men's dating list, right? So, and I don't know what product where those would cross <laughs> the Venn diagram, but if they did say it was a weight loss product, boy, you could see why this one might not work, right? So that's just important to know that demographic information and start with that. So you could find similar lists to where you've already tested, similar success. That's a great way to start with the right foot when you're um, scaling with affiliates yeah. versus the wrong foot, which would be to not know that information, not share that information, um, and then tested the wrong list and just kind of burn out real fast. Yep, and where are you sharing that info? Um, so two places. First, if you're doing one-to-one, -one, um, you're going to share that through an email and when you're talking and networking with uh, prospective affiliates, but it definitely should live on an affiliate tool page. Um, and primarily probably at the top above the <laughs> fold is where that should be. And if you're like, man, an affiliate tool page, I don't know what that is or how do I make it work really well? Well, one of our very first episodes and probably our most shared episode um, goes into that in, in depth. And I know yeah. you have some amazing tidbits on it. It's really, really good. Yep. No, I think you nailed it. And that leads us great into a second topic, right? It's, which I think you've highlighted that very well, right? You need to be able to speak the affiliates language to a degree and show them and prove to them that, hey, this is tested. This is worth taking a chance on sending traffic to here. But where do you actually find affiliates? You mentioned networking. Let's maybe start there. But like where, I think that's a friction point. People often hit a pain point. They're like, oh, I put my offer on a network, whether it be ClickBank or somewhere else, and not much is happening. Or I hired this affiliate manager or I'm trying to join Facebook groups and nothing's really happening. Like where are people finding and hunting and recruiting these affiliates? Yeah, and, and you always you use this line really, really well, but Kevin Costner is a horrible affiliate manager because if you build it, they don't just come. <laughs> um, it does take recruitment. So even like you think of a marketplace like ClickBank, you know, it could be great to organically recruit affiliates if you already have affiliates promoting it, or if you already have traffic coming in. The reason being is we have lots of offers. We literally have thousands of new signups every single day under our platform. That's a ton of people. Not all of them are submitting offers, but a lot of them are. And so there's tons of offers on the platform. Um, and it, our algorithm moves up offers that are gonna be the most successful or ones that affiliates want. So if you're not getting affiliates to already promote, the marketplace isn't necessarily going to be your best friend because you're just kind of buried down at the bottom. Now, once it gets up there, people snag your offer and go, ooh, great, tool page, this hits my demographic, and that's great, that's fantastic. But to get there beforehand, it is a lot of one-to-one -one relationships. Mm -hmm. You kind of have to start hitting the cement and going out and meeting people, or sometimes, um, if you know that, that could be events, that could be Facebook groups, that could be reaching out on email lists, um, it could be blogs, it could be influencers, there's lots of different ways to organically just go out and reach with somebody. And if you want the really, really fast way, go hire an affiliate manager to do all that because they know how. they might even have the network already built in and they're just going to go in and pick that up for you um, to start recruiting those affiliates and get you started really fast. 
Yeah, I've heard some. It's funny, like in the last few months, I've heard some behind the scenes frustrations, if you will, from some people in the space who are just like, gosh, this seems like such a who you knows club, right? Such like a popularity contest at times of like, if you are one of these popular people, you get all the fits to promote you and it's great. But if you're not, you're just like out there in the wind trying to hope that someone takes pity on you almost. And I can, I can see why someone would feel that way, right? It can be a friction point to try to put yourself out there into a new space and do that networking, which like you said, hiring an affiliate manager could help speed that up. How do you even go do that? I'd really plug, you know, Amber Spears, Alona with East, with East Fifth Rudinsky, East Fifth Rudinsky, Rudinsky with East Fifth Avenue. <laughs> I love East Fifth Rudinsky. I don't know what that is, yeah. but it sounds great. Right. They've got a great way to kind of place affiliate managers into good companies or train affiliate managers, things like that. But it really, it's true. It is a who you knows club, which means you've got to be good at networking and business development and following up and cutting those deals and rapport building and all these kind of people soft skills. And if that's not you, you need to have someone on your team who can be that person for you. And they need legs to cut teeth to use our favorite saying they need a leash to go be able to cut deals and have that sandbox that they know how to operate within. You can't hamstring your affiliate manager where they have to come to you for everything for approval, right? Mm -hmm. So that's where if you're not going to do it, and if that sounds really unappealing to you, hire an affiliate manager, yeah. let them go do that and get paid well to do it. Yeah. And I mean, there's lots of different ways to get an affiliate manager. I think if you want the fastest route to, to getting into those networks and connections, if you want to move faster than a rabbit and kumquat patch, you really need to do a, a tenured, even like a contract affiliate manager. They don't have to be your forever affiliate manager. Um, it could just be something that's going to get you where you need to go. So, um, you know, sorry, I just, I just realized I had some weird metaphors that I, I rightfully stopped myself from saying, but I'll tell you afterwards. So. Okay. <laughs> In the deep cuts one day, maybe people will hear, um, but no one will care. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, that, that's a really good step up to go really, really fast, especially for off runners who are like, I hate networking. Um, and I, I have plenty of them. They're like, that is not my game. I don't want to go. I don't want to shake hands, kiss babies, and get people to promote my offer. Um, then I would strongly recommend getting a tenured affiliate manager to get yourself going. And then backfill that with a junior affiliate manager that could then replace the the system or structure that comes into place. Yeah, um, right. Because you're kind of, gosh, how many people do we see? Well, I think that, gosh, sorry, this is going to go back a few years. But a few years ago, people did not want to talk to affiliate managers. It was yeah. like, like, no, I don't want to talk to them. I just want to talk to the offer owner. And why was that? Because affiliate managers were not armed to actually cut deals or do anything. They're just armed to get someone a swipe file or to get someone a tracking link, to get mm -hmm. someone data. And it was really like a glorified virtual assistant type role, right? But that's really changed over the last, feels like three, two and a half years or so. I'd say three. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like that's really changed now where it's like there's some really killer people in affiliate management positions at some big companies and some really good training out there now. And the affiliate manager position has become this like, oh, yeah, who's the AM for this company? I need to chat with them. Mm -hmm. And that's the type of request you're seeing out there a lot. Yeah, because a good affiliate manager should be like a big time closer mm -hmm. is what they are. They're going to find and close deals. And you need to give them the autonomy to do that. Yeah. Um, but that's where I think, again, getting a tenured person that could kind of build that process, giving them the autonomy to go make you money is a great way to, to um, jump into that. I think the other thing too, and this is going to hopefully transition nicely, but is um, if you don't want to do that, you need to go out and I would do face-to-face -face first as soon as you can or find networking groups, whether yeah. it's like, 
East uh, Fifth Radinsky, uh, <laughs> East Fifth Avenue, yeah. in their traffic tribe group, yeah. um, or it's going in Facebook groups, which sometimes can be a little bit challenging. Um, but I would say one of the best things, especially now that you can travel, is going to an event, whether mm -hmm. it's a large scale conference like Affiliate World Dubai, um, or if you're going to something a little bit smaller, like more of a, a mastermind, like, uh, you know, whether it be Flight Club or a Copy Accelerator or- um, yeah, Mimosa Mastermind or yeah, something. Yeah, Mimosa, right? yeah. you know, lot, lots of different ones there. It's a great way to just get in front of people, um, shake hands, you know, have drinks, make deals. Yeah, which well, I love that too. I think mastermind specifically and events, Great place to meet people, traffic sources, but also a great place to just learn from other entrepreneurs, CEOs who are at your level or potentially way ahead of you who have made the mistakes you're making or about to make. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think we both see success and scale breaks things to pretty quickly sometimes, right? Yeah. When you go from zero sales a day or 100 sales a day to 500 or 1,000 sales a day pretty quickly, you get inundated with all these problems you didn't realize you had. Your kind of warts get exposed, if you will, in the lack of systems and processes you probably have. And how do you start backfilling those and kind of solving for that is where companies can mix or die. And that's a hard part with affiliates sometimes is you might think it's an okay send and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, okay, we'll do the full send now. You're like, wait, what? <laughs> and sales come pouring in. And if you don't have the staff to fulfill those orders, if you don't have the ability to onboard those clients quickly, whatever your business might be, now all of a sudden you're drowning in sales, which is a good problem to have, but if you can't solve for it quickly, you're getting there. And you could replace that example with all different kinds of operational backend examples there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think we talked about for like, the, it's a 99 problem. So there's probably more than that that occur, yeah. especially in the back end. The marketing and front end, the parts we talked about before, like if you have the offer that's tested, you have an affiliate manager or a way to break and penetrate into the the recruiting affiliate side. Success is coming. You're mm -hmm. about to have a ton of sales. And you're right. It could be way more than you're ready for. And that's why having a mentor or relating with other people that have been there are just going to allow you to go through that in a much faster, more successful way. So you don't necessarily have as many headaches um, because yeah. they've already had the headaches for you. Or some mentor that they met had that headache, right? So don't feel like you have to pay the way through every single path just because you should or have to. That's just pride allowing you to fail in the future. <laughs> so, um, you know, meeting and talking with those people could save you tons of time, tons of money, tons of headache, um, and potentially your entire business because there's probably mistakes that you might make um, that, that could break everything for you. Um, you know, whether it's not vetting a copywriter properly that ripped off your entire funnel and now you have a DMCA request and you have to shut everything <laughs> down on your offer, right? Those are mistakes that tenured people have probably been through and can help help you solve for so you don't make that kind of damaging mistake when your offer's scaling. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, the pain point of just growth, right? Mm -hmm. Which is kept us a lot, not just affiliate traffic, but especially with affiliates because it can be so volatile. Mm -hmm. That's where you kind of need some ways. You need some networks to lean on, some people to lean on to help you through those problems when those happen. So, and it's funny too, like I think sometimes people put mentorship on a pedestal and it's like, where do I find a mentor? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> like, they're, like you have to climb a big, huge mountain to get up there, right? It's like, ah, oh, you've made it. Let me mentor you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I find like I've been mentored by managers. I've been mentored by kind of colleagues in the space. Like it's, Half the time, it's very informal. You know, it's just like realizing that this person likes to help other people and being willing to ask for help, right? I, I fall into that trap a lot where it's like, I don't want to bother somebody and I want to figure it out myself, not to like prove it to myself or anything. I just don't want to bother someone with a 
potential mm-hmm. mistake or something like that. But once I realize, once I do ask for help, it's like, oh my gosh, it opens so many doors. Because A, they get insight into your business and what you're doing, and they might have other just networking potential people for you to talk to, right? But they might see other things that you could be solving for, or they have that specific solution for you, or they know someone that can help you specifically with that. So it's where it's just like, you might not have a specific mentor. You might know that person A over here is really good at X and you need to tap into them right now, but person B over here is going to be really good at Y. You're going to hit them up for these types of things, mm-hmm. right? So it's you're going to have multiple people that you can lean on that you're also adding value to in turn and getting out of that, but it's going to really arm your business for success. Yeah, yeah. It's like a you want to have a mentor utility belt with lots of different mentors. Um, and, and where sometimes there yeah. are very formalized mentorships. Sure. Where like it's it a paid is, thing yeah, or something. Yeah, it's paid, yeah. like mm-hmm. paid mentorships or just some like you are my mentor, you know, my mentee. <laughs> um, you know, those situations. But I think, like you said, it's more organic. Like, hey, I'm going to, we're going to idea share together. And that's actually, I think, masterminds and events are fantastic places to find those, especially masterminds because you tend to have smaller groups. You have kind of a more discussion-based yeah just forum and place for people to bring up those questions. So you don't have that, that awkwardness. And if it starts there, it could continue from there. Yeah. Right. Well, and make sure to give as much as you get to, I think is really helpful in those situations. So you don't feel like you're just taking all the time. Yeah. Well, I've seen some people do too. And they're like, maybe it's more smaller starting out and they don't, you know, it's kind of, it can be hard to, get a higher level person to quote unquote mentor you. They just kind of made little syndicate groups of other people around their size, right? And just kind of share ideas and something super formal. Maybe they meet up once every two weeks or something just on a Facebook group or in like a Zoom chat or something. And it's a way to hold each other accountable, but just share ideas and like, oh, this person helped me and just kind of keep that networking going from those maybe masterminds you're going to. Yeah, and if any of you guys have those groups, just be and, and you're not unclipping, just include Thomas or I into that. <laughs> <laughs> We're lonely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but no, that, that's that's a great point, and the, those mentors could really make a big difference in your business. Yeah. So, um, what other problems do you think commonly come up, or things that people have to solve for? Well, I think when you're looking at an affiliate program in general, it's like the it's sometimes the common things you might not think about, but it could also be a really big question for somebody. It's like how do you how are you even tracking affiliates? Right. How, yeah. how are you paying affiliates? How are you collecting 1099s from affiliates if they made over $600 and they live in the US? Right. How, or W9s, or how are you sending out W9s? Um, like, how are you, are you, how fast do you pay them? Like, mm-hmm. what is that actual, what are the, what's the meat of your affiliate program other than the offer? Like, what's, how, how, what commission are you paying them? All those kinds of things. And how does that all operate is kind of how that's built. Those can all be like early time friction points to overcome. Um, and, little plug for ClickBank here, right? If you're on a platform like ClickBank, that'll just be solved for you where ClickBank will take care of all the tracking, paying 1099s and all that because they're ClickBank's affiliates and everything like that. Those are just things to think about with scale because that's where I see people like, oh, we're built on, you know, page builder X affiliate tracking solution. Mm-hmm. And those work well enough for a small group of affiliates potentially, but are you going to be wanting to calculate and pay, you know, pay 600 affiliates through PayPal on a weekly or monthly basis? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Right. So think about when you're building an affiliate program, what tech are you using and is it built for scale? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we see, we, we know there's big companies out there. They're affiliate managers. You mentioned it. They used to be kind of VAs. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of that was built off this kind of mentality that, an affiliate program requires a lot of just not really exciting administrative style work. So whether that's, I need to go through an audit and make sure that my tracking worked and that looks about right, that I don't have a bunch of non-attributed sales. 
Um, and if they do, well, then what do you do with them? Like, I have no idea. Um, and, and sometimes affiliates will tell you, my, hey, I didn't get as many paid out for as many as I should. So now you have to go back and go, well, where did I come up with that? Why? Yeah. Oh, let me figure this out, right? And then it's sending out checks or PayPal or whatever, and then booking the accounting entries and making sure all that stuff you know flows properly so you you know, you balance out and then your taxes at the end of the year are going to make sense. You know, these are all annoying things. That you're like, <laughs> yeah. didn't I become an entrepreneur to not do any of this stuff? Um, so, so yeah, those are, those are big pieces. And why that's important though, too, is if you don't pay affiliates, this world isn't that big. I know there's lots of affiliates out there, but the ones that really matter, we mentioned before, sometimes it feels like it's a really tight knit group. Mm -hmm. Boy, don't pay one of those affiliates very well, or you don't get it on time when you're supposed to, they're going to tell everyone else. And yeah. all of a sudden now, it's really hard to get affiliates to work with you because you're known as the, the vendor that doesn't pay, right? Yeah. Or, oh, you have a lot of tracking problems. Um, and so, so these are things that could really maybe not harm you in the short run, but definitely in the long run if you're trying to build an affiliate program. Um, and, and, you know, one mistake to the wrong affiliate could be a big deal. <laughs> it was like that, that DRMP post a little while ago. Someone put it in there and they're like, Hey, I had this situation happen where I was promised a CPL for this, you know, by this affiliate manager, mm -hmm. and then I haven't heard from them and I haven't gotten paid for this. And like people had their pitchforks out, like, who was it? Tell us. Like, yeah. It was like, we, we don't want them to ever, we never yeah. promote them again. Yeah. And they were just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It was just a misunderstanding. Got in touch with them. Like, don't want to, won't share the details here because it was, you know, it's all yeah. good now. But yeah, people are like, I want to block list them from my promotions because I don't want to get screwed over. Right. Yeah. So, Missing a payment's huge. Yeah. yeah. And, and like if you become a pain to them because they don't get tax forms and then their CPA is like, listen, we need this yeah. or you're going to be audited. Haven't you seen the new, you know, something <laughs> like that. Like, you know, like th those are all things where you create friction points. And the great thing, again, is like click if you're clipping customer, I know this is obviously very biased, but or you have some sort of platform that's going to take care of all that for you. I think that's key. It could save you a lot of money. It could save you a lot of time. Most importantly, it's going to save you reputation and headaches. And that's super important, right? Yeah. We want to maintain good reputations and do it headache free. Um, and, and ClickPaint could definitely do that for you or other platforms as well. But you just want to make sure it's taken care of. Yep, 100%. So I think we hit a lot of the big points here. I think we'll link to some show descriptions. That's not the thing, but links in the show description to other deeper things on this, like, you know, mm -hmm. Amber's podcast and things like that. But any final words on pain points to overcome? One with other pain foods? point I was going to mention that, that we, we didn't fully cover. We kind of talked a little about it is the idea of managing your affiliates. So you have it scaled. You have all the operations mm -hmm. done. Um, managing the key relationships, I see a lot of pain points with. And, and oftentimes it's come across where it's not, adjusting vertical like adjusting your marketing materials or you have a big affiliate that you work with and and you know and the offer doesn't do yeah. well how do you navigate through that that relationship and conversation those are those are a lot of big challenges and i've seen really good offers fail in the back end because they didn't manage their affiliate relationships very well affiliates started asking for higher commissions because they're media buyers and their margins were shrinking because they were on facebook and everything was shrinking <laughs> on facebook um even their market share hey <laughs> so um so, you know, they did not handle that process very well. They seem offended and they didn't, they, they burned yeah, the, the relationship. Yeah. Can, yeah. And, and all of a sudden their offer really started to struggle because they were just struggling to manage their affiliate relationships. So I know we have, uh, again, in the show notes will be a description to go more in depth about how to do that, but that's- How to a, work with it, those super affiliates. Yeah. yeah mm -hmm. How to work with super affiliates and manage those relationships, but it's really, really key. And if that's something that you're not thinking about um, as you're scaling your affiliate program, it's most likely to create you problems. And they can be affiliate program killers yeah. if you mismanage those relationships. Yeah. 
And that's where maybe it's not a C-level role. Maybe, maybe it's a partner, director of partnerships type role, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of taking over the super level, right? There's going to be tiers of an affiliate program management structure. Yeah. But yeah. Well, and that's where having mentors is also super helpful. Hey, there we go. Yeah. As well, <laughs> having those mentors because... Yeah. You need to know, you know like, how do, do I do here? this? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And I know you probably do the same, but there's lots of clients I talk through exactly that issue, how to talk to an affiliate, um, which feels you know silly to say out loud, but no, it, it's, it's challenging. No, there's different I've, I've made so many intros like where it's like, oh yeah, go have fun. And then they, I see the response and it's just like, oh, face palm. Like, what? No. I know. Like, <laughs> <it's> like, <laughs> and I'll say the first one that people just need to never do this is I introduction to a super affiliate and they're like, hey, yeah, can I get links? And I'm like, here's like a link to our affiliate tool page. And I was like, no, no, don't do that. So I'll come in and reply and like, here's your link and here's the top creative swipe. So um, anyway, uh, but yeah, those those are big things to, to try and avoid and definitely listen to the episodes we have in the past that, that talk nice. through that. Awesome. Well, thanks, Kyle. This has, I think, been some good value here. And I'd ask our listeners, too, if there's other things we can tackle on this podcast, other topics, other experts you want us to interview, things like that, do leave a description a comment gosh go rate on itunes leave a comment wherever you can um if you're listening on google play or whatever it might be or reach out to kyle and i taylor jake if you're on social media <laughs> or tanner yeah. if you'd like to say jake's name wrong like yeah. i did earlier you're on a roll with that the last few weeks yeah. <laughs> yeah, just, uh, but no, let us know. we want to add value to you and your business and what you're working on what you're struggling with and what pain points you're having so let us know by reaching out and how it's going and what we can do to support you and thanks for listening yeah thanks Have to something (laughs) like. Bye.